0: start the regularly scheduled program, Jed Gillespie, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Loose Head Sports Show, the number one sports show on planet Earth, proudly brought to you by Caffeine Gump Australia, here's to feeling good all the time, buy some, www. Every packet you buy, Jed Gillespie will give you $1.
1: How good? How are you? Not too bad, mate, <laughs> just finished, long Monday, it's very tough. Hey, this hard. is a
0: solid four or five months of working class man life for you. How's you, it changed you? How are you adapting? Does it make you enjoy weekends more?
1: Um, yeah, probably, yeah, definitely. You I, I'd say you enjoy your downtime a bit more, but you just get better at um, I suppose you just build up more of an endurance for doing menial things. Which is you the try truth. to build up.
0: You know, the yeah. thing that they don't tell you is when you don't work a real job is that weekends are actually meaningless to you. And that unless you've got like events on, you start to not really know what day it is at all. And then you go, oh, all of a sudden, my friends yeah. are trying to drink beers with me. Must be close to the weekend. But with my friends, it could be the middle of the
1: week as well. It could be a, it could be a Monday morning. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's good. You knock off on Friday, you feel, you feel very good. But um, it's always tough Monday morning. Very fucking tough.
0: Get get out of the fucking your side of the cave, and then just fucking, you know, you got to get caffeine into <laughs> right. you as soon as possible, and then heat up in the shower. And you know, the the thing yeah, about yeah. not not playing footy anymore is, is when we we're training, I'd wake up the next day when I worked a real job, and I'd have to sit in the shower for like twenty minutes just to warm up.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I I usually roll out of bed, take the take the g string off, put some caffeine gum in the mouth. Um, and then get in the car and, and just get straight into it.
0: You no wear a Mankini still, don't you? Mankini?
1: Absolutely. They fit well, me and Borat. Um, you're, I, just uh, get a,
0: you're bringing I, it up straight I, away, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I'm not. Okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to do it real quick because yeah. not everyone will want to hear about it forever. I'm really more <laughs> reflecting on the results of my survey.
0: Mate, it's very interesting. I was just in the post office posting some caffeine gum free delivery Australia wide, and I heard this guy going off. uh, He's an English guy. He's like that arrogant dickhead. Good, he's got kicked out of the country. And from my understanding, the argument that people have against uh, him is that he's an arrogant dickhead.
1: (laughs) It's Mm. you know okay. So this it ties into my thing. So it's actually a deep like it's a decent sample size. Where it certainly wasn't the census but it was a decent sample size and effectively 66% of people said that he should be deported. Um, So sort of two in every three, which is I hadn't thought about it as much, but what you said, a lot of uh, people comment. I asked why basically like, you know, and not really to start a world war, but just to sort of get an idea of what, where people are coming from. And whether it be a joke or not a joke, and some of them certainly weren't a joke. A lot of people were just like, "Cause he's a fuckwit," and I'm like, "That's very Australian." I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get something tangible here, um, and then the other people were like, "Cause he broke the rules and lied." Uh, Did he that? So I
0: haven't looked. I haven't looked into I, it there's,
1: enough. There, I, suppose, there's, I think that the thing that I, I find not surprising, I suppose, but. So, like, he got granted a, a visa, right, by the Victorian government, Tennis Australia, whatever. So, told to come across. Arrives, gets torn up. He then challenges that. So, he takes that process to court and wins. And the judge said he did all he could reasonably do. So, his visa stayed. So, keep that in the left-hand column, right? That, like, that process has happened. Um, in the right-hand column, the minister... For immigration in about 2014 was granted these powers where he can just fucking deport people um they were legislated so the ministers notionally we vote for them right uh, i know your feelings on politics but notionally they're elected so they somewhat supersede the judiciary the judges so the minister's then gone no i want to kick him out so they he he's then torn up his visa again but this is a different process right so the two court cases are completely different. They're in some ways not related, besides the fact their central point is Novak Djokovic. The, I don't have a... My main issue with the, the outcome is that in the second court case, the minister's like uh, representation cited that... Basically, the main reason that he wasn't allowed in the country was that he was going to stir up anti-vaccination rhetoric. That's, so,
0: that's, so, so, but and look, okay, so you got to I'm remember, very...
1: you got two, you got two guys here who got vaccinated very early. Um I was very like, you know, I, I'm, I like science. I think I don't think the world is trying to put chips in us. We're we're both vaccinated, but you, you just ejected someone from the country in court on the basis that they are going to say things that we don't agree with.
0: That seems fucking insane to me.
1: Yeah. So, uh, but for the, like the general public maybe got the outcome they wanted, right? Because they've, the problem is we've had to do all this bullshit man. For, for, I don't know, how long has it been? Two years, whatever, 18 months. We've had to do a lot of bullshit. And so a few people said, mate, unvaccinated Australians can't come home. Like, yeah, that's insane. But that,
0: that is insane.
1: That isn't, it's insane. But like, I think. Maybe like it's more important to acknowledge that insanity than to take that insanity as now an everyday thing and project it onto a new issue. So yeah, like uh, I think it's concerning for us where we sit. Where obviously, uh, wait, the last the last metric that was measured was did we handle it well? And almost no one said we handled it well, which is fucking. I think somewhere we we can all agree. But what happens in twelve months if? You need a booster to play, right? And you can't enter unless you've had a booster. And or you or, or or there's something else that's the the flavor of the month. Like a lot of people were like, Yeah, look, he gets special, he thought he'd get special treatment because he's Novak Djokovic. Yeah, he definitely got a quicker quick he got to court quicker the first time, right? Definitely, because he had this train open coming up. But I'll tell you something for free. If I went to fucking, if I was coming into Australia and I and I went to court, the immigration minister wouldn't be coming after me after that. So special treatment goes two ways.
0: Because exactly exactly like, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I, look, regardless, I think, of whether you think you should have played, shouldn't have played, I think we, we – and I've been sort of looking at a lot of different, I suppose, publications, outlets around the world. People think we are in a military state at the moment.
0: You know what concerns me is that I feel like this has been driven by the public. So the public have become outraged. So the public have got a result that has appeased the public. Is that a fairly yeah. accurate thing to say? And so you go on. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the public is actually quite powerful. So why don't we put the the angst the um, you know, the weight of the public behind something that actually fucking matters and not a tennis player coming into the country who will be in a bubble basically the whole time anyway. Like I, I, I well, don't give a shit a, if he's here yeah. or not. Just the way the whole thing was handled just seemed very poor to me. Um, saying that you don't want to let him in because he's a dickhead doesn't make any sense to me. Like he, he's applied for a visa, got a visa. And if yeah, what you're no. saying is right, if what you're saying is right, obviously neither of us are journalists, or, or I'm certainly not anything. It just seems fucking crazy to me the way the whole thing's handled, and and why not put the public, uh, the weight of the public behind something that matters, you know?
1: Well, I mean, the the problem is the public have been oppressed, and in a way, I probably shouldn't use that word. I'll say that for real oppression, but they've certainly been screwed around for a while. Look, we all got vaccinated. The fact that, you know, eight and a half out of 10 Australians are vaccinated is unbelievable, right? But I think a lot at the start, and I promise if you're listening, we'll only talk for this for 90 more seconds. The start was you get vaccinated because, you know, it, it stops everything, you know. But the reality is that the only benefactor from you being vaccinated is you and the healthcare system potentially. It doesn't impact spreading. It doesn't impact other people. It doesn't do anything else so you know it's a it's slightly concerning that i suppose by now like we're like we we're so entrenched in like fuck you like you have to be vaccinated you have to be vaccinated like it, basically people have just got the shit i think but uh, it was it was a little bit concerning that like the the minister for immigration's point was really he, he's going to be, he might be trouble. Like he might, he might cause people to have other emotions. So, so he might cause not,
0: people to think for themselves.
1: <laughs> so that's, it's not really somewhere you want. Um, it's not really somewhere. You don't really, emergency powers in general, in the government are not historically a great thing. Some really, some crazy shits happened using them. Um, and yeah. So, look. Uh, regardless of which way you feel, I am not a huge tennis fan, so I don't really give a fuck. Um, but massive clusterfuck. And unfortunately, even before this, like America thinks we're in lockdown. I have a lot of mates in America, and they think we're like we've got to ask permission to use the toilet at the moment. So, um, you know, I, I, on the world stage, I don't know how this. It, it's not making us look great. And on the in terms of tennis and the ATP, like. You know, like, if if he's banned for two years, like, is it a good look for the Australian Open to have their number one player out for, two, I, I don't know, two years, three years?
0: You know, it's funny. Like, we're still talking about this two years later, and it's really just another distraction from real problems that are actually going on in the world. Um, nearly everyone I know has had it now. Uh, pretty much everyone has been fine. A couple of people had some, uh, some bad cases. I've heard of one person being... Uh, going to the ICU, everyone else has been fine. Um, I'm tired of talking about it, Jed. It's fucking boring.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah no, look, it was just, I suppose, look, people are well, we gotta like, talk about it, like, rules, rules apply to everyone. So that was the main t- takeaway. And you know what? I can absolutely respect, um, 100%. I can respect that. I, I think it's, it's probably time that, um, and I'm certainly not this sort of person, but I think you need to start looking at the rules and they're, what they're adding rather than, you know, one individual. There's a lot of frustration sort of being taken out on one guy, but it's, um, yeah, regardless of which way, which side of the fence you sit on, class Absolutely clusterfuck.
0: It's um, It's a lovely distraction from all the real issues going on in the world. Um, the tsunami. Yeah. So you're obviously safe being yeah. in the the main streets of West Ride, but you know it's quite concerning to get a text, uh, you know, a couple yeah. of nights ago. Hey, there's a tsunami warning. Even worse for Tonga, man. Like, some of, the, have you seen some of the footage? Yeah, terrifying, man. terrifying. So huge surf here. I hope everyone in Tonga's alright. Um, I did actually intend to change it to a uh, like a more positive topic, but I just thought I'd bring that up before we do that.
1: <laughs> no, I remember. Well, it's very hard. It, it's hard to know. It's I haven't seen the news today, but it's hard to know what sort of damage has been caused at the moment. I did go to Samoa sort of a year after the big tsunami, um, and they had they had half their, half of the sort of the main island just got smoked. Um, those those nations are just not very. They're, They're like a meter above sea level, and I'm exaggerating, but they're not very high above sea level. So when there is a like a tsunami like that, we're we're very lucky here in that we sort of sit on a big tectonic plate and we don't have to deal with much. But yeah, that was a it's certainly a spanner that Tonga don't need.
0: Well, you know, there's just I saw someone say it's 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 very sad. It's a it's a beautiful country,
1: and we both got a lot of friends
0: from Tonga. So I hope all their families are okay. Um, just a good reminder that life is short, and uh, you got to make the absolute most of it, Gillespie.
1: Yeah, you do. Now, I, I have—I um, actually have a rugby-related one, which is nice change for the podcast. Um, yes. Did you see uh, Nelson Asafa Solomona signing in the top league?
0: Did he? Yeah. Do you know what's really bad? Is I have no idea who that is.
1: So, <laughs> um, so he was the guy who went on a a bashing rampage through Bali or Thailand the other year, the massive unit I, from the storm. I
0: do, I do know who that is. I
1: knew, I'd help, I knew that it helped you. <laughs> I, I might have
0: been um, there that. I might have so, been there that night, actually.
1: So Nelson has, I believe, signed with Panasonic. He, and we are not going to discuss it again, but he is doesn't want to get vaccinated so he can't play in the nrl um, so he's going to japan in which they have different sort of you know different rules and regulations he has a blistering uh high school rugby union highlights package um, no doubt made by wandering bear but he he was a so he was a he's a front row in league like he's probably 196 you know 115. So Sorry, he's played a back lot.
0: row in play back row in rugby, you reckon?
1: Yeah, so he was a he was a second rower at school, um, and a, quite a good one, like an offloading, running sort of second rower, uh, more tight to the ruck than wide. Uh, but he certainly thickened up a lot in school. Like he's a he's a big round unit. So I'm very intrigued to see what what they do with him. I was talking to a few people on the weekend. Like it's a it's too steep a learning curve to play second row. I agree. After he'd
0: have to play, he have to play six. I
1: reckon eight years out. Yeah, but like the intricacies of playing six, even you know, like defense off a scrum, like you know, whether you don't involve him in line acts at all, or he's got enough carryover knowledge from high school. But um yeah, really, that was an interesting one. Look, I didn't see that coming at all. I thought that hit me for six.
0: It's um, Japanese culture is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, for for a Blake Ferguson type um, scenario, it's very, very big no-no culturally, very bad. And then potentially for this type of scenario, it's not as bad. Like, how do they look upon that kind of stuff over there?
1: Well, you've got to remember, I I suppose Australia Australia has quite a strict policy on vaccinations. I'm
0: I'm talking about the assault stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. As in the fact he's got notional priors. Look, I think that it was a bit hazy around what did or did not happen. Um, I have no doubt Nielsen will be on strict, um, strict marching orders in terms of what he can and cannot do. Um, But yeah, look, from what I can tell, if you're not doing it when you're there, it's not as big a deal. Like it's, so just yeah, if you're, not, if you're not if you're not contracted
0: to the team, yeah, if you're not in our company at yeah. the time, then anything beforehand or afterwards is not our problem.
1: So yeah, say? NEC NEC on that on that with Virgo, they released a proper press release. Um, what did they What did they
0: say? They, I didn't. But, I don't think I saw it.
1: They basically just groveled. Um and just to show like what we've been saying about Japan and how serious they are about their. You know the way they take shame, and you know this and that. They're based they, They've they basically grovelled, said we do everything we can to tell the foreigners what they can and can't do. So shameful, all this crap. And then they said, and we'll be donating proceeds from every game to uh, trying to eliminate illegal substance abuse in Japan. So, I'm if they
0: did that in Australia,
1: <laughs> well. There'd be a lot of fucking very poor rugby league teams, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, half the that's... half buddy half of the half of the Roosters cap going into bloody New <laughs> South Wales Police. Um, but yeah, so effectively they're in groveling stage. It looks like they're sweet still, um, which is a surprise. For, from what I can gather, it's the fact that they do have so many international players, and they're they're. Very, they're notionally more high profile that's sort of saving them. Like if they had been, and they didn't do well last year, but if they had been a, a maybe a crapper team with a crapper coach and like that, they might've just got the, got the flick, but they've, they've come out groveling, uh, which is something all proud men do. Um, And yeah, so Fergo's still fucking out of there, but they're now paying restitutions for his actions for a bag of dust. And uh, yeah, season, season goes ahead.
0: Mate, it's a fucking wild world, Jed Gillespie. Only company-owned teams, you know, multi-millionaire contracts. I'd love to get over there one day. It seems like a fucking fun place to be, just quietly. Blake Ferguson's situation aside, have you looked into what's happening in Super Rugby yet? Because that's starting very, very soon. We've had no news on what's happening with the COVID situation. It seems like our friends or your friends at Rupert have not done anything for a change. What do you make of that? Mm. To me, I, I can't see what I think will happen. I know we talked about this last week guys will be withdrawn from COVID. That will definitely happen. Shoot shield players will get called up and that will have a flow on effect down the shoot shield. I was speaking to someone from Perth today. Their government's opening the borders up on the fifth. So at the moment, unless the super rugby competition changes the rules or the government changes the rules, Perth should be able to play all their games, their home games in Perth, and travel into state as well. What do you make of it? I've, I've, you know, I've got a little bit of insight in some of the Australian teams. Have you been keeping an eye on New Zealand teams? How are the Drua going? The Moana Pacifica are doing some good stuff on social media. I'm liking how they're. Yeah, up. yeah.
1: The socials have been good from the two new sides. Um, I haven't heard much out of NZ, to be honest, but. I mean, they, they'll just do their own thing for the first portion anyway, won't
0: they? Yes. They're playing their their own round-robin style games. And then I think they're all coming over to Australia for the back half of it. Or if the government, yeah. New Zealand government changes the rules, then Australian teams will be able to go over there. Um, I've been noticing there's been a huge turnover of players. Huge turnover. There's a bunch of new players in all the Australian Super Rugby franchises. I've been around the game for a long time. You've been around the game for a long time. There are a lot of names that I have not seen running around. I, I in, in so did I, did I just have a stroke just there? I haven't even had a drink today, hey, yet, please. but I'm already having a stroke. But insofar as that, I do. I couldn't even tell you who some of them were. So I, I think there's going to be some new names. I hope I hope that some people stand up and and be counted for because I, how I see it is that the top level is Super Rugby. So like. Um, Let's use the Tars as as an example. When they got a full-strength team, they got some good players, right? One or two injuries, the the standard drops significantly to the next tier, and that's not necessarily their fault. They're young guys, and they're still learning the system, and they've only just been brought in in the last couple of years. As you know, it takes a while to learn how to play super rugby. I don't really know where this point's going, but – yeah, that was just my observations on it. I've been sort of keeping an eye on what's going on. I think it's going to be a, another tough year for Australian teams. I think the Reds will be good. They've got a fairly consistent team. Um, still a bit of a changeover. The Brumbies have got a really, really good sort of first team, and I think their second mm-hmm. team will be reasonably good. But after that, it's it's um, you know very young, very young guys in their squad as well. And I don't know much about the Force. Have you been keeping an eye on them?
1: Not a little bit. I've had a look at a few of the guys who they've signed. Uh, some of the younger guys. You, it, it'd be tough to change. The, sort of, if we did a power ranking NFL style, it'd be tough to change the outcomes from last year. At the moment, from what I can tell, I think the Rebels uh, may, may be margin like that. They, they're they're looking okay. Um, same thing though. They're the extremities of their team are. I, I would I'd have to do some serious googling to find out who like you know makes up that twenty eight to thirty three spot, um, but you know they've got some decent footballers. Uh, you know I think they'll trouble the Brumbies and the Reds at least once, um, but I think there's a clear distinction at the moment between this, the 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 Brumbies, the Reds, and then everyone else. I think Melbourne sits in the middle. Um, as you said, the Tars have a sprinkling of guys who I think are excellent, uh, but it becomes a depth issue. Um, and then throw in a, you know, the spicy coffee in there as well that may may or may not drag people out. Who the fuck knows? Um, you know, depth that's going to matter. Um, so I, don't, I like the red, like the Reds have got good depth, uh, reasonably good depth in my opinion, and so do. Uh, so do the Brumbies. Uh, I don't think the Tars are that deep. They, they're certainly deep in some spots. Like I think they're deep in 10s and they're, they're, you know, they're probably deep in um, back rowers to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, so I think I think it'd be hard to rearrange the power ranking space, you know, despite any new changes. I, I see those two teams still being dominant.
0: And there's still clubs sniffing around overseas as well. So I get messages all the time, and I'm frequently trying to send them Eastwood players uh, to sign at the last minute. So, any agents looking for players, come hit me up. I've got a lot of Eastwood contacts, you know, some good blokes there, terrible blokes as well, like Waylo. How's Shoot Shield shaping up? Have you guys started training yet?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. We're not back yet. Um, What's the thinking next week?
0: What's the thinking there? Give um, him a bit, a bit longer rest.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, look, they had a they had a hard first block. I'm not saying it's any harder or you know any more difficult than any other club, um, but there's a distinct aim to taper for effectively the grand final. So, you know, like you know, our Colts went back on the tenth. You know, that's fine. They're like they they're still trying to. They need to tick some boxes. You know, I suppose our goal is to sort of peak for the end of the season. So uh, I think the boys get a little bit of a longer break. There's an onus on them to train themselves. Um, if they don't train themselves, you know, it'll it only hurts. It only hurts the team collectively. But yeah, it, you know, it's a particularly long season. So uh, we're basically looking to diminish burnout. I think is the is the is the concept there. Yeah,
0: that's good thinking. I think there's only one weekend off all year. Might be the June long weekend. I don't. I don't know if there's any buys. It's, it's going to be the biggest year that we've had in a long time because we've got something like four trials into like 18 rounds. And then if you make the finals, I think it's an 18-finals series, so you'd hope we'd make it. You know, it could, be, it could be 26, 27 games by the end of it, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, look, it's, it's what me and you grew up playing. Those, I know. Like we, we used to play the two rounds and that was, that was just life. Well, I actually quite like the two rounds because just because when you're young, you're a fucking psychopath. Um, it's, but, the fa- it's the fairest yeah, way. It is the fairest way. When they, when they started to do the first round and then you get six random teams in the second round, by goodness me, like some people's draws were monumentally more difficult than others. You know, like if you – no disrespect, but if you drew Penrith and Parra in your second six – Know you've already that's ten more points going into the finals. Whereas some teams would draw fucking Eastwood, uni, fucking south, north, like and just have an absolute fucking trudge home. So it's it is really the only way for it to be purely uh I suppose fair.
0: Yeah, I feel like the last couple of years has kind of made a lot of young guys go, Do I really want to do this? And there's probably I think eventually there will be a lot of new resilience come out from this period, but I'm not really seeing at the moment. People have been stuck inside for two years. There have been restrictions on life. And I've seen a lot of people, sort of fringe people, who are like, no, I just want to travel. I just want to live. Whereas I think, I don't know, it's going to, when we get down to around 16, 17, 18, I think some teams are going to struggle. That's my, that's my. Yeah, uh,
1: sort of hot take on the situation. Yeah. yeah, but there was, I suppose, from without peeling the curtain back too far, uh, there was some observations made about certain teams and how they how they went in the season, knowing how hard they train and how often they train and when we perceive that they peak, you know. So being, you know, it may be the fact that you need to concede 10 15% of fitness in the first five rounds to then... You know, be all systems firing for that sort of 17, 18 week one final sort of sort of setup, you know. So um, I will take you back, Chubby, if you remember. One year they decided that everyone would play one round and then the top six would play each other and the bottom six would play each other. Do you remember that year?
0: Vaguely, what what year was that?
1: Oh 2015. Yeah, something like that but uh, if you it, it was whoever whoever thought about it would have must have thought about it for 20 25 seconds because anyone could then tell you that the person coming seventh at that time plays the bottom six teams and automatically gets 35 points yeah. whereas the person coming sixth in the top six uh, cop the smashing so I think I can't remember, but someone someone got absolutely hemorrhaged from being at the bottom of the top six. So uh, a t- an awful way to do the draw. Truly
0: What's right. your take on contact trading? I'm very interested to hear. I'm, I'm sure I've asked you, but I, w- I would love to hear your take on it because, yeah, I'm very curious as what your take is on contact trading.
1: I'll, well, I'll preface this with the fact that for those who haven't uh, done the – accredited coaching courses there is now a limit on the amount of full contact you up to do each week is it 20 minutes yeah
0: but if there's if you wear a tackle suit doesn't count
1: yeah i know i know but what's what is the what's the time i think it's how like 15, it it i think it's like
0: 15 minutes 15 minutes of bone on bone a week so how they how they yeah. how they record that i don't know is it like 15 minutes of actual impacts Because you 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 well you know as well as I know that you can pretty much avoid contact for all contact sessions if you really (laughs) want to.
1: (laughs) You got to look. Got kids get really good at just quick pass. You just that you'll get you out of so many jams. Um, Just
0: lock in a lock in
1: a. Um, Always be a pillar, and you won't have to tackle. Um,
0: That's right. That's right.
1: Look, I think there's the. Uh, there's some really good drills. Like mm. everyone s- sees them online. I'm sure guys have done them. The academies and stuff master them, you know, some amazing drills you can do where you hit a bag and you reload and you do this and you do that. But I'll, it's, it's not tackling a person, you know? So you, you got to be careful with how you do contact. Cause I mean, fuck, we've had an ACL already and like, you know, you get a few head knocks or a sore shoulder in this and that. So It's, you know, I like to, I suppose the one way people do is sort of bring the space in. So you're not 10 metres apart running into each other. You might be three. um, And you're trying to teach all those safe techniques and where to have the head and whatnot. But it has to be done. Um, It has to, I think it has to be done. If your team, uh, like many South teams in fairness, is based around toughness and grit, Um, you can't rely exclusively on hitting tackle bags. So um, we tend to pick and choose when we will do our full contact and try and get the very, very most out of that. Um, and also telling the players like, guys, we're fucking, you know, this isn't 2010 anymore. Like we're not going to do 45 minutes in the tram tracks here. Like give give us seven minutes of fucking really, really high intensity. So I suppose that's how we, we'd aim for it. And then in the other times you, you're doing your, your drills with bags and, you know, suits and, all that sort of stuff trying to trying to get something out
0: of that. It's very interesting to hear how you different... Guys? Yeah, similar. We're, look, we're, we do quite a bit of contact. I'm very big on live scrummaging and live mauling. I don't think there's any way mm. that you can really simulate it. There are some benefits to scrum machines. I'm not a huge fan. Mauling against pads has some benefit, but I think to get fit for mauling and to get used to mauling, you've got to maul against human beings. And if you're, if you're yeah. mauling against pads, the guys on the pads aren't really getting anything out of it. But if they're Live defending, they get the defensive side of it out as well. So I'm big on that because I, I, one, conditioning; two, reducing injuries; and three, you actually get more practical training. So I'm big on that. Uh, but it's just different.
1: We don't it's interesting. We don't count that. That's not. That's not. That doesn't count as contact time, though. It's sort of no, on it, no. But yeah, there is box. actually no. a limit.
0: There is. There is I. I wouldn't. But there is actually
1: a limit that you can have on that as well. Yeah, I'm sure there is, but they can go fuck themselves.
0: Well, that's right. They all listen to this, so if you're listening again, what about
1: about, go fuck yourself? Sorry, what about the? Sorry, I cut you off, but you were about to talk about the tackling side. No,
0: no, no. I I I just find it interesting to hear how different head coaches actually, um, you know, attack different things because, like, bats play in the outside backs, and, and it's very much your position actually sort of dominates how you think about things as well. So. Like I've played for, I've played for backs who are head coaches. I've played for props who are head coaches, you know, halfbacks, and, and everyone has a different theory under the sun. And I've, I've, you know, I'm not quite convinced about anything. I'm open to everything. I played in a team that did literally no contact. Uh, admittedly, they lost every single game. Um, and I have played in teams that do so much fucking contact uh, that you actually become used to it. So I, I, I really yeah, don't know
1: yeah it's it's interesting I, I agree with your point and i suppose ours is driven somewhat based on last year so or or, or our trends as a, as a side so uh when we were very successful uh we relied purely on talent um and that was probably the end of the era where you could rely on talent um, yeah. we had the number one running meters most line breaks and something else last year so Attack wise, first. Uh defense not first. So we would then we I'd say we'll use most of our minutes on 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 defense rather than uh rather than you know a ruck-based contact block. Um like yeah. obviously you still have to hit your rucks, but I think priority one will be our defense and defensive policy. Whereas, you know, clubs like um Norse, I'd be very surprised if they don't use a lot of their time on on the ruck, you know, they're very good around the ruck. So that I suppose that's how we that that's how I believe we're gonna spin our, our sessions and determine where the contact goes. I've I've also played in teams where there's way too much contact. So you know sort of 13, 14, 15 Eastwood, no contact. Um, but also older guys, some guys who were just phenomenal footballers, like Jared Barry sort of characters, like and just were like no. And at the same time coaches going yeah, I really don't want him getting injured. He's fucking important. Um, yeah. And then you know Melbourne uh, with Tony who was a he's a ta- he's a defence coach, like you said before. And we had by the end of fucking January, we had fourteen guys in fucking rehab. Um, I remember Guy Miller uh, at the force. He said he did almost none, and then in Dunedin, he didn't do any either. So. Very, very different approaches. And I, what like you said, I think it holds a lot of sway. So I know Bats particularly is like, you know, he's hitting me up a lot more about lineouts and scrums and this and that and, you know, like that side of it. But I think your background generally dictates, like you said, where you lean and how you lean into it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. It's, um, I had this train of thought that I was going to go down. Oh, Okay. So you just said with the defense, right? So obviously, uh, you know, Eastwood, great attacking team, um, you know, good defensive team as well. But in in your words, it's the area of the game that you want to improve on. Right. So I've heard a lot of coaches say that they would focus 80% of their time on their positives. So just say you've got a good counterattacking game, you spend a lot of time in your counterattack. You know, we spend a lot of time in our forwards game because we've got a good forward pack. Yeah. Um, cool. and then 20% of the time on the things you want to work on and I've heard some go 50-50 and it's some go 81 way 20% you know the other way so how do you mm. think about that?
1: Yeah that's a fine. that's an interesting one I I certainly as an individual um, like there's guys uh, when they go into pro systems you know they've got to get their work on so you know for, for me that was probably like tackling and something else you know but what you said spot on, like you can't, you can't forget the things that actually make you good. So, you know, for, and I've like had that. And I think some super systems are sort of onto that now. and just going, yeah, you're really good at fucking, you know, flick passing, long passing, stuff like that. Make sure you don't forget that when you, when you're touching yourself up um, in terms of in terms of time allocation. Um, I suppose a lot, we, we transition Attacking systems last year. So, or the year before, potentially the year before, sorry, they all blend to one, 2020. Um, so, a lot like a substantial portions of that time was spent, you know, on introduction, learning this, learning that, learning this, learning that, and then relying on defenses, just a core tenant of the game that sort of everyone knows. And it'll be about the attitude. Whereas, because that attacking system is now learned in sort of 75, 80% of the guys returning, it gives you more time to focus on new defensive systems, new outcomes, and sort of nail that. So that, that's a sort of an individual account of one club. But I would say we, we lend far more towards a 50-50 than an 80-20. Uh, it,
0: it is interesting. I asked, um, so coming up on the Watery Bear podcast, I've got Dan McKellar, the Rumbies head coach, Wallaby Go. Fords coach, who is just excellent. Excellent. And I actually yeah. asked him because it's something that I've been struggling with a little bit as well as how do you get everything in? Because every time when you've got limited time, every time you add something, you take something away. So you almost have to go, what can I do that is the biggest bang for buck right now? Because you can't do everything, right? His answer was we do two unit sessions a week. <laughs> so you got to prioritize you got to prioritize. Um, I was asking specifically about forwards coaching, but um, mm. you said you've got to – for the Brumbies, they've got three front rowers in their coaching staff, and the Brumbies have always prided themselves on being a set-piece club and having that dominant platform to launch their attacking guys off. Um, how do you view that? Because if you think about forwards coaching, you've got to get a lot of work done in a week, really, or over – how long's preseason? Seven, eight weeks – you got to get a lot of install work done. Make sure they're fit. Make sure they're conditioned, and make sure they absolutely know what what direction you want to go in. Uh, you know, mauling, defending, mauling, scrum, line, attacking line out, defending line out. You know, and then different zones on the field mm. depending on what your attack coaches want to do. How
1: do you think about that? Mm-hmm.
0: That's the long well, the question.
1: No, I get where you're from. It's particularly hard to shoot you. I would say. And the guys, I mean, most of the guys who listen have played shoot shield or different grades of shoot shield, right? So in the preseason, you have every grade or a lot of clubs do. So it's very hard to like start implementing your first grade line out structures or this or that, you know, when you have varying levels of ability. Um, for us, that meant extra training this year. So sort of like, like Dan said, basically it was just you had to cop it and we're going to have to train more. Uh, l- low intensity, but we're going to have to train more to learn what we need to learn. Uh, basically, learn a heap in the last block and this block so that when we get into game block, the learnings are in the back of your mind. And it's really just presenting one or two things each week that you'll focus on for that week. Um, but, yeah, it's look, it's a good point about your strengths. I feel like not everything from... Super rugby translates that well to, sh- to, to shoot shield. Like like we've chatted about endlessly. They have a fucking exorbitant amount of time to train. Um, so I, I definitely feel at times like where I was playing, you know, and starting to get older, if we had a good front row, we wouldn't train as much scrums. Because from the coaching perspective, they're like, we'll be fine. You know, like they've they'll be fine. They're fine every, like they're going to be okay. They, You know, they, they might not kill it, but they'll be fine. Whereas like your, I suppose from your, from your angle, which I get as well, I fucking get it. Um, it's like, this is our weapon. We need, we need to polish our, our weapon and make sure it's fucking as sharp as it can be. So uh, there's, it's very difficult. Like you said, because we're, because you're time sensitive. I feel times in the past, um, it's been like, right. these guys are fucking really experienced front row we don't need to back more than a couple of liveys get back into our, you know, our, our pick and go defense or uh, our kickoffs. Cause that was really bad last week. So I think that, I think that's an approach.
0: I agree with you. I, I look, I was one of those guys that never trained at all. And you could probably tell by the way I played, but even when we were absolutely smoking scrums, barely did any training at all scrums during the week. I think it's a different world now. And, one thing that you've got to take into account as a as a forwards coach or a coach is that you're not just worried about your first grade guys because if there's a couple of injuries, your third grade guys could be playing first grade. So you've got to bring up the standard across the board because at some point those guys are going to have to do a job for you. So it's getting that balance right as well. Like in our sessions, we've got genuinely guys who could walk into a super rugby team right now. And then we've got guys who are developing players who are still learning, who will be good eventually, but they're kind of at the start of their development, if that makes sense. Do you, do you guys have a yeah. similar similar kind of thing? And in yeah, my head, absolutely. I've, got this, I've got this constant battle in my head about how to give the, the top guys their attention that they deserve so that they can continue to, to pro- progress whilst bringing the other guys up to speed as quickly as possible because... If there's an injury, you'll need them. You can, so you can't totally. Not that I would, anyway, but you can't just dismiss those guys. And you got to put a lot no, of No, no. Into no it. But
1: it's not, it's not, it's not ridiculous to say that. Like, as the first grade coach, you can't be, you can't be, or in the past particularly, you can't be giving you heaps of time to. The third string hooker, or like, you know, like the third string set. That's the other
0: side to that as well. Because if you give them too much time, then everyone else misses out. But they're the ones that kind of need the time to get themselves up to speed. Do you know what I mean? I
1: I don't. Oh, I absolutely know what you mean. I think like having a very uh, detailed and uh, a very sound concept of the depth chart and where people sit is important um, in terms of. You know, if the if the second or the sec or the third string guy is is off, making sure that they do the work in their own time to get them at least closer to where they need to be to then make training competitive for the number one guy. Um, at the same time, to be honest, the answer is you have got to spend a shitload of time on everyone, um, and you got right. to try and do it both both in and out of training. But then at the same time, you might have your first string guy who is super ready. And it's a matter of not, you know, hitting him up and going, "Hoy, have you been doing this and that? But, you know, maybe we should have a chat with some guys playing professionally at the moment or someone you like and, you know, get some feedback on some of your footage or or do something like that. So there's, I don't think there's a perfect answer besides spending a stupid amount of time addressing everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, You know, some of the things, particularly with the C word going around at
1: the moment, you'll have a
0: huge degree of varying talent at training, and then you put your first grade guy, and the only other prop you've got at training is a guy that's just playing his first year of grade, who was in Colts last year. This we haven't done scrums yet this this part of the year, but that that could happen. And then you go, well, how do I get something out of this? Do you know what I mean? And
1: I hate yeah, absolutely. absolutely, I hate using scrum machines, man.
0: I think it's teams
1: to cop out. Well, I think they're only good for sort of like if you're low, if you're just sitting there for loading reasons. But, like, yeah, I hundred percent know what you mean. It's um, it's very difficult. Look, it's a, a different point, similar to what you were touching on. Though, I suppose at at those sort of top six clubs, and I I remind the guys of this total all the time. I think sometimes considering you need so much depth these days, right? Some of these guys' hardest thing is making first grade. And I've said this before, they just need to get into the first grade team. Like that, that will, for some guys, not all of them, but for some guys, that is, will be harder than them then getting cited for something else. Because if you're, you know, if you're at a team that's well coached or that are stacked with talent, you just need to get on the pitch you know if you're on the pitch and you can lock down that jersey every week i feel like the other things take care of themselves um, but you know that is a hard concept because like you said depth needs to be better and with depth comes disappointed people every that's year. another
0: interest, that's another interesting part of coaching is how to keep those disappointed people motivated to not put their head in the sand and kick stones and then also this will be another challenge for shoot shield clubs going forward is that more and more players will get recruited overseas. More and more guys will get recruited to super rugby and clubs are going to have to regenerate themselves every year because the play pool is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because everywhere in the world is looking at Australia at the moment going, Hey, they've got this big talent pool playing shoot shield. Let's have a look and see what's going on there. And it's happening more and more. There's yeah, people we're going overseas yeah, all we're, the time.
1: Yeah. We're definitely five years late to the party. Like, Shoot shield was oh, I. I specifically remember it sort of being like, you need to play ITM or or, or you know yeah. NRC with a bit of a frown on the on their face to get a look in. And you know, America didn't exist, but you know, Italy or this or that. Whereas now it's like, wow, well, this guy's this guy's fucking killing it at shoot shield. Shoot shield guys have gone to Japan regularly. They go to fucking England. They're everywhere. Um, how do I, in terms of keeping guys motivated, there's very few circumstances, in my opinion. It, I've seen it in my tenure, uh, but there's very few circumstances where you will be genuinely stuck behind someone who you cannot get out of that spot. Um, it does happen, but it is rare. So, particularly the guys on the up, they, there's no one ever comes to a club where there's just a fucking, for in your sake, there's just a tight head jersey waiting for him on the wall or a loose head jersey. And they go, oh, Chubby, you're down from coughs. Here you go, mate. Oh, thank goodness you came. There's always someone you have to fucking move out of the way to then take their spot. So you've got to make yourself undeniable. Like you just have to be so good that you can't not be picked. That's it. Like, and at some point, everyone has to do that. So there'll always be someone ahead of you. And even the best players in the world at some point are are a nobody. You just have to be good enough to where the first grade coach goes, I fucking know that we usually pick this second row, but I can't not pick this guy. He's too he's playing too fucking well. So
0: yeah. A hundred percent. I said I said that to all the second grade guys this year or uh, 2021. I so said my job as a coach is to get you into first grade. That's my number one priority. Your job as a player is to know your fucking role, work harder than the guy who's in first grade, do not complain, and just keep going keep going day in, day out and be undeniable, and eventually you will get rewarded because if you're not getting what you want, most people tend to not look at their actions and tend to sort of, well, some people do, but most people get shitty and complain or the coach hates me or this and that. Very few people actually go, all right, what are the actions required for me to get to where I want to go? And it's just reminding people of that. If you genuinely speaking in life, if you do the work, you will usually get reward. particularly in sport, if you're good enough, if you're good enough. I've got to preface yeah, that.
1: If you're good enough. Uh, yeah. And look, not everyone not everyone can just be like, okay, I'm going to train like David Goggins and become a super rugby player. But you'll certainly get the outcome you're looking for if you have the spectrum of ability. Um, In terms of assisting that, not and it's very hard to find because there's not a lot of guys coaching, but if your second-grade team are happy and healthy, it helps a lot with guys who aren't quite making the first-grade side. So if your second-grade team are in the top two, the vibe's very good. You've maybe got some older guys who are sort of happy to be there, run the show, that sort of thing. When guys do go down, you know, they go into a winning team who are happy. You know, they, they they might like the coaches, the coaches running good. That assists greatly instead of there being sort of a – and it happens everywhere, every club, um, a chasm between sort of the first-grade squad who are like the cool guys on campus and second-grade who are you know, n- not even on the same stratosphere. So having a good, functional second-grade team, and I know you guys had one last year, um, is something that, you know – When if an inside centre does get dropped down, they go, ah, fuck, you know, that's stuck, but, you know, this team's coming first or second, let's go put on a clinic, you know.
0: Yeah, It's, it's very interesting. People, human beings are genuinely fascinating creatures. My friend, different hopes and dreams and who you could, they could hear this conversation and hear one part of it, whereas someone else might hear another part of it. I would, I would laugh. We would do a second grade team meeting on a Friday before our cabins run, And I'm looking around the room and we've got uh, one of the centers who's a fantastic human being and who's learning to play rugby. The absolute dream player to coach. He's running down everything you say and he's paying attention. Then the, there's the back row who are all asleep. <laughs> and, you, and you can tell when someone's not like looking at you because they're looking at the wall. And, and you're like, oh, well, mm. some of you get here because you deserve to be here. You
1: know, yeah, it's anyway. a crossroads, though. I mean, like, you don't know where you'll be when you're like, "Fuck, we're all, we're literally." There's a very small portion of people, and I, I mean, small portion, who who don't play any second grade, who don't play any. Like, you play uh, second grade. Almost, I played a year of second grade in my second year of Colts
0: So, have you played? And have was, you played third grade or fourth grade? No. Nah mate you got to strap the boots but, up this year i've i've played every grade <laughs> no. well
1: yeah there you go but there's very few but like you know i tried to told i told i was doing twos last year i said you know in my second grade team four guys went pro so like last year last
0: you just year a,
1: yeah no 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 did when, they? From when when i was playing two oh when yeah i was yeah. No, playing I'm twos
0: with you. i'm with you i'm with you when yes. i was playing
1: twos like it was steve cummins hugh roach uh, myself and someone else, like it, you might just be at a certain point in your in your rugby trajectory, like we. But you need it, so take it in. Um,
0: just put the ball yeah. in the hole. Happy, tap it in.
1: I've got actually. I've got a. Uh, I've got one that I, I'm. I don't know how. I don't know whether we'll see it or not. But it's certainly it's popped up in Europe. There was a decision by the uh, English Rugby Commission or whatever to allow full skins to be worn. Did you see that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, to be fair. Full bottom skins? Yeah, I I did see that.
1: I hear you. Will we see this in the future? I want money bet. I want someone to tell me if there's a full 22 rounds, I'll take any grade. Will we see full skins?
0: Oh, we'll definitely say it. We'll definitely say it at some point. I feel like it's too hot here to genuinely wear skins. The only other time you'd wear them, I think, is if you're playing on a cricket pitch. So you know how Manly used to have the cricket pitch? I don't know if it still does. I haven't been on there for a while, but I think if you've got a cricket pitch game, blokes will wear skins. And if it gets really cold, blokes will wear skins. And I think some people just Bro, think we're it talking looks cool. we're
1: talking leg skins. We're talking leg skins, right?
0: I, some people just think it looks cool, and I don't think it does.
1: Well, I saw I, I saw the decision, and I was like, "Well, that's the most beta male decision I've ever seen in my life." But then I saw Jordan Taufua run over nine people, and he was wearing leg skins, and I thought, "Is this going to be like 2004 when everyone wore With gloves? the gloves?" Yeah, yeah. Did you wear gloves?
0: I did briefly. I did briefly. I was playing hooker, <laughs> and who was? Um, I yeah. think Keith Keith Wood. I love I love Keith Wood as you do as well. I think he was wearing gloves for Ireland at that at the World Cup in 2003. It might have been. I remember, he scored like three or four tries against USA. It was something like that, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's the best." So I did get a pair. That didn't last long, though. I was like, I sweat too much. Rugby to Yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe I should try and bring them back in. Just sponsor someone to wear um, them and then sell them on the side.
1: Bro, they were so cool. I specifically remember going, yeah, dad, like, you know, I need to get a pair of rugby techs. And he just categorically, he's not a, he's certainly not a walks around telling me what I can and can't do. He just goes, that's not going to happen. And in hindsight, I thank him very much for that. Because it was, it was particularly, um, they faded so quickly. How did they fade so quickly? They were so cool.
0: It's, it's, um, like they were the shit. Now, do you remember when you know mull- you know how mullets are popular now? What's that about? Yeah, mullets are popular again. Everything is just circular, circular. It just comes yeah. back in fashion. I was gonna, I'll just tell you the story, and then I got to go. Is I, I remember mohawks were cool. <laughs> okay. Mo- mohawks were cool when I was like fifteen. I can't remember why, but I got a mohawk. I'm like, I'm getting a fucking mohawk. We've gone on this rugby trip. I might have been remember when they used to do the old Academy of Sport days where your local academy would come yeah. sit to Sydney. So I did all that. And I've got into a server and this old lady was like scared of him. And Mum goes, get the fuck out of her way. <laughs> and the old lady just bursts out laughing.
1: <laughs> she told your mom sprayed you.
0: Yeah, Mum's like, get the fuck out of her way, dunks. Like like that. Get the fuck out of her way.
1: Oh, see, that really brings the intimidation down from the mohawk. Oh, no. I all personally the street, all the street cred I had was
0: gone.
1: I personally really like uh, mullets, and I used to have a mullet myself. So, kudos to anyone out there with a mullet. Uh, but that will soon fade. Baldness will become popular again, uh, as it was uh, in the 1920s, I presume. And uh, I will reign supreme on this earth.
0: And I enjoyed your bald fifteen that you put out there. Some um, some very solid selection well, actually.
1: This week there will be a bald ding fifteen, which is going to rattle a few cages because I actually did tag every one of the bald fifteen in that photo. So when a few people who you know might be on the lower end of the super ropey or whatever spectrum get tagged in the balding fifteen, that's going to they might not like that as much. <laughs>
0: Hey, speaking of speaking of balding people, I had Barry Hall reply on to this thing that I tagged him on the weekend.
1: Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Okay, early, 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 early. He's going to beat Sunny Peel, either on point. It doesn't matter. He'll beat him KO or, or or points. He'll beat him.
0: I feel like you'd have to hit him with a sledgehammer to knock him out.
1: Barry Hall could box. He made. He went fucking. Gals, we all know he's a good boxer. He went fucking six rounds with Gals, no problem. I thought he won that fight. It was a draw. He can fucking he can box and he's a big dude. But when
0: um get rugby, when are we gonna get rugby people doing those charity boxing, not charity boxing, but like you know, football boxing type things? Is there anyone that you would back to throw? I reckon I reckon uh Ruan, Ruan Smith should fight Zane Hilton. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Honestly You could put From what I gather You just fucking put Ruana on one side of the room Put a cold pepper, uh, Coke Zero On the other side And just put someone Between them And just fucking Try and stop him he, he, love, mean, he likes loves caffeine cold, and he, loves, he loves caffeine Doesn't he
0: Aspartamine Is that what they call The stuff that makes Coke Zero Sugar free
1: I have no idea I just know I drink it <laughs>
0: Let it? say so you got a few things in common, but I think Ruan Smith, I think we need to get Ruan Smith fighting someone potentially in another code. Um,
1: I don't really, maybe a cricketer. York. Yeah, we could get him fighting um, Martinus Labashane I think. I was just um, going to say
0: that. Or, I think that would be good.
1: Or, <laughs> or we could get um, maybe him fighting one of the boys from the Sydney FC, the A-League. Um, just get those guys out there. You know, they're two sports of incredible athletes. I mean, I love cricket, but gee, those guys are just, they're big, muscly Adonis, aren't they? I mean, look at Steve Smith. He's the Mate. fucking, he's, he's a hulking man.
0: What do you think, Steve Smith versus maybe Holloway should have a fight? Like, Holloway's quite well known now. Oh, I don't know if that fuck, would go well. That's a good Holloway. point. Steve Smith can whack.
1: Yeah, if he's got a fucking, if he's got a New Balance bat. Apart from well, that, he'll be whacking himself. I would actually like to see that.
0: All right, everyone. I uh, think, if you uh, if you got to this point of this video, please like this video. If you want to see Jed Holloway fight Steve Smith uh, in a boxing match, who else could Holloway fight? I'm um, sure there's some some leaguies. Is Nate Miles still playing? I'd love to see that. Nate it's, Miles, it's Jed Holloway,
1: 25 years old.
0: Well, good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's let's set it all right. Set it up,
0: set it uh, up. So, so Holloway, Holloway needs to to start putting himself out there a little bit. So uh, maybe Ruan and Holloway could fight. That would be fun. I, yeah, I, I,
1: they're two of my, they're two of my favorites. Though I don't really want to see. Them, I like,
0: they're, they're I, like so him, I like him too. But there'd be some good shit chat before. Maybe Carlo Tiziano. You know, you know who should fight someone? Carlo Tiziano. He likes his martial arts as well he's done some striking maybe so, maybe
1: if if this is the case Carlos Zanuck could fight brandon smith
0: now you now you're
1: talking the, the cheese the cheese you know
0: the problem is is that no one knows who brandon smith is and everyone knows who carlo is so it's not really you know it's almost like it's almost like brandon brandon smith is trying to build, boost credibility of carlo's good name
1: well, I know. Look, I know. Obviously, not many people know him, but I, I, I know the cheese can throw hands. He, he can genuinely throw hands. So, um, it, it'd be good to see him get some more media.
0: <laughs> Just they, they gave him some media soon, didn't? They? Like recently, didn't they? So, all those different brands are signing. Yeah. him, budgie smuggler. What's, what's that about? Like, what is, what is he? Who is he? What does he do?
1: Oh, he's he's a very funny. character. So he's a rugby league he, he's player. A fucking-
0: with his, with his own phenomenal,
1: phenomenal Yeah he's a phenomenal player And he, if he gets in front of the mic He'll just sort of say what's on his mind He's not like a He's not like a Todd Carney sort of character who's like just He's just saying whatever Like he, He's very funny He's quite well thought out uh, But he's a very funny And he, he's a fucking good player He's very good very I, wish I,
0: like, I wish I like sport as much as you do
1: Seems like well, I have nothing left, Chubby. <laughs> I'd have nothing left.
0: Well, any, anything else that you want to um, finish on? Any outrageous statements? Any accusations? Any gambling? We've been a bit quiet with the gambling lately. Maybe it's not enough sport happening in Australia. That'll change soon. We probably need to bring the gambling show back. Any predictions? Yeah, anything, n- anything to finish this show, Jed? <laughs>
1: It's hard. Uh, you put me on the spot with that one. Um, I don't have any predictions at the moment. I'm gonna have to marinate on that. Look, all I can say is stay tuned for the Balding Fifteen. Um, could rustle a few feathers. If you are in fact named in the Balding Fifteen, take it as a compliment um, and share it. You fuck. Yeah. So look, the the the, uh, the Bald Fifteen got some good love. So there'll be a, there'll be a fifteen every other week. This week is the uh, the balding fifteen. So I've had a lot of people reach out to me already about guys who could potentially captain the side. You know, will John Lance be in the side? I'd potentially, yeah.
0: He'd have to be. He'd have to be. It's Lawrence Delalio back in the day, balding fifteen. You know. All right. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening to both the podcasts. We've been in a crazy last week. We probably had nearly two to three times as many downloads in the last week as any other week. And I got to, I got to think that that's a lot to do with you and a lot to do with DC. So thank you both. Uh, Wandering Bear Sports has been grinding away for a few years now, but I've probably only been podcasting seriously 43, not quite a year, sort of eight months. So please follow me on Instagram. I'm almost at a thousand. I just need to tick that box and then I can get a hundred thousand. And um, Dan McKellar's coming up on Wednesday. Sorry, you go.
1: Sorry, definitely listen to Dan McKellar. He is uh, a genius from a distance, but Chubby's been up close and personal. Um, what I will say is we uh, we will endeavour to start the shoot shield uh, aspect next week uh, and get someone on from a club. So I've got somebody in mind to kick it off, uh, and that will be the, the start of the sort of lead into the shoot shield.
0: Mate, there's some terrific characters and people involved in the Shoot Shield. And uh, a lot of people put a lot of effort in for not much more than the love of it. And um, it's honestly a wonderful. It's been a big part of my life, the Shoe Shield competition for the last 16 years. And um, I think I'll need a break from it eventually. But for now, I'm looking forward to, to going again, man, and uh, doing this every week. Sweet. All so right. you just, I'm just going to put this off and then you stay in for one second. Thanks to everyone who's listening and this will be out Tuesday. I really should think before I spoke to talk. Love you guys. Bye.